welcome to Gen Z Plugged, brought to you by Generation Connected. Generation Connected is a youth-led organization where we provide free tutoring for students grades K through 12 and publish works written by youth. I'm Lara, and I'm a junior in high school and the daughter of two Uruguayan immigrants. And I'm Asiel. I am also a junior in high school and the daughter of two immigrants' parents, one's from Cuba and the other one's from Nicaragua. And we're your co-hosts, and today we'll be talking about our experiences as first and second generation Hispanic Americans. And we have a very special guest, Cuban-American, two-time Olympic gymnast, actor, writer, and he also has his own podcast, Out of Bounds, Daniel Leva. So, Daniel, you can tell you you can tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get started. Um, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, second, you got my name perfectly, and that, yeah, that is a rare occasion. So. Oh, because you listen to my podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank yeah. I'm I'm really excited to, to to be on. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Oh yeah. Okay. So. How has being a Hispanic American influenced your life and career decisions, if at all? I think it, it I think it definitely affects uh, the career decisions quite a bit, you know, and especially as an actor. I think I think I'm way more aware of it as an actor just because, you know, when you get an audition and stuff like that, a lot of times it, it very specifically asks for a certain kind of person. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you'll see some auditions and breakdowns on uh, certain websites like Actors Access or Backstage, um, and it'll specifically ask for, it'll explain the character and then it'll be like Caucasian only, right? And and there's like situations like that where I, I almost intentionally try and submit myself for those auditions because if it's if it doesn't really actually if it's not super integral to the story or, or like to the character, then what's the difference, uh, you know, on, on the, the ethnicity of the person playing it. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then of course, you know, uh, how old are you guys? We're 16. 16. Cool. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's amazing that people your age are so much more aware of, uh, you know, who they are and their background and, you know, and, and they're, you guys are like being very proud and stuff because uh, I was, I grew up in Miami. I was born in Cuba and I grew up in Miami. And there was a lot of moments where Miami is somewhat of a bubble, you know, and you, you're kind of not fully aware of uh, the fact that you're quite different from most of the country. And I really only started noticing that after I started leaving Miami. So it has definitely affected my life and in, in, you know, sometimes a very positive way and sometimes in a way that I wish would have been different. Yeah, that was actually one of the other questions has to do with like how like being born in Miami, like not being, but like being from Miami changes things a little bit with like Hispanic American identity because like I was born in Ohio. So wow. for the first few years of my life, I like it was like very unique to be Hispanic and like when I'd go right. to school I'd be like okay don't forget you have to right. speak English because I was little too right. so I learned Spanish first and then I would go to school and speak English and it yeah. was weird and then one day when like I left Ohio when I was like six but I was still aware mm -hmm. that like it was very unique like we had a specific yeah. group of friends like with my and my mother like she struggles speaking English so we had a specific group of like a small group of friends of like the Hispanics in the area and that was the little group. And so that was the only group that would speak Spanish. And then when we came here, everyone spoke Spanish. So it was super different. And then when we went, when I went back to Ohio, when I was like 14, just to go visit, we went to like a trampoline park one day and it was me and my sister, we were playing around and I was talking to her in, in Spanish and a little kid runs up to me and he was like, Hablas Espanol? and he was like, astounded that someone could speak Spanish in Ohio and it was it was really it was weird because here it's normal like I go to Publix and it's weird to hear someone speak English so it was it was super interesting absolutely absolutely and it's uh, I in a lot of different uh situations I was that little kid you know uh when I was competing you know obviously we would travel uh through a to a bunch of different international com uh, countries and uh, Every time I would hear somebody speaking Spanish, I would get so excited, be like, oh my God, hi, how are you? And I would like try and 
have a conversation with them because it, you know, we're, we're in like Paris, you know, and it's like, what are you doing here? Right. Uh, so it's, it's cool. And it's, uh, it certainly builds and, and kind of lends a, a strong sense of community once you're, you are, like you said, a, a person who is part of a very small, uh, group of people and then you hear like an outside person and you're like oh my god uh, hi yeah <laughs> yeah that was it was very interesting to see that because here it's like like that'd be so weird to see a kid just run up to you and be like you speak spanish like of course i do right um, <laughs> and then also with the career decision thing with us that we're younger i see a lot with students my age where their parents are pressuring them to go into like STEM careers or to go into really high paying careers. And they're, the parents' excuse is that, oh, like I brought you here, like you need to do something with this, with this opportunity. And I think that's interesting to see, but also like my experience with my parents, they, they see it the opposite way. Like I brought you here, you do what makes you happy. You know, like even if it's not high paying, like you do what you enjoy. And oddly enough for me, that is going, I wanna go into medicine. So when I say that, it's like, oh, it's because you're Hispanic, your parents are telling you to do it. Like, no, it's actually because I want, like, I go to a medical magnet high school and that's what I want to do. And it's really interesting when I see other kids that are like, oh, I don't really want to do this, but I like my, this is what my parents are telling me to do. So that's another thing I've observed over time. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, a bit of a tricky situation because of course, you know, and, and it happens in most families. It's, sometimes rather unique to have a situation kind of like yours where your parents are literally like, yeah, just do whatever makes you happy. Uh, and the funny thing about that, uh, what a lot of people don't understand is once you find something that like makes you truly happy, you might actually end up making a lot of money in it because you, you would be so passionate for it and you'll work so hard for it and it might end up making you a lot of money. So it's, it's a lot of insecurity, you know, personal insecurities that, that, you know, that's why kind of they try and have their kids avoid any sort of struggle. That's why I like just find a stable job, right? But as you said, at the end of the day, whatever is going to make you the most happy is going to fill you, your heart and your soul. So. Yeah, yeah. Like with my parents, like they don't tell me like, oh, you got to go into this, you got to do that. But it's more like I feel like there's like a certain expectation for me because my mom, she works night shift and she's cleaning. So she works hard. My dad works outside in the day, like in the sun. He's a mechanic. And then obviously they tell me like, oh, I don't want you to be living the life that I do, where it's like such a struggle to even like get money to like pay for food sometimes. So then they're like, OK, so you need to study, be like good. You need to like take any opportunity you can. That's why like I'll take like so many AP classes or I'll do like dual enrollment or like I'll throw myself at any opportunity for like volunteering and stuff like that. Just because there's just like an expectation that I know I don't want to disappoint them. They're not telling me that I need to do this and this and that, but I just don't want to disappoint them. Of course. And that's really hard. And you guys are very, very young, you know, and uh, the I think the hardest thing that young people have to have to struggle with is the fact that society expects us to know exactly what it is that we want to do by like 18, 19, 20. And most people don't even really truly know what they want to do until after they're like 25. So the, the biggest kind of advice that I can give you guys is to kind of just be patient with yourselves, you know, put yourselves out there if if you if you're lucky enough to understand that you have a passion for something specifically already that's amazing but if you don't know that's fine you're going to be totally fine you know if if you want to go to college go to college you know your parents are not going to like me for saying that but you know if if that's something that you feel that you need to do definitely do it you know but if not if you feel that you want to try going a more creative route like you can you can kind of instruct yourself and learn so much about whatever it is that you want to do and like I said ultimately end up making a lot of money yeah and you don't really realize how much opportunity you have until you get to like go out into the world and experience it and that's another reason it's weird that we have to pick usually well not always but sometimes you have to pick what you want to do when you're 18 and it's it's 
interesting yeah and even then, after college even when people finish college that they're they're like oh well you're done with college now you should know exactly what it is that you want to do but you're only 22 at that time you know it's it's you're still incredibly young you know i i turned 29 recently and i still feel incredibly young for you guys i'm ancient and i get it but it's still I, i'm i still feel that there are there's so much more for me to learn and, and that's why I say, you know, you just got to remember to be patient. Yeah, you make a really good point. That's really important to be patient. And then another question we had was, what are certain things that you believe are often stigmatized in Hispanic American households? Oh, man, how much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> um, it, you know, it is definitely, I think we're, we're, we're definitely in, a, in an uphill battle still, uh, especially you know, my generation, and then now we have an incredible, like, incredibly brave generation with you guys, you know, you, you guys are, have done stuff that we, we're trying to do now, you know, so it's amazing that you're starting so much earlier, but there's a lot, there's a lot that still needs to be changed, there's a lot about the, you know, the culture within the Hispanic community that is still rather backwards, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, obvious, um, obvious kind of dated ideals and, and, and perspectives on sexuality, of course, you know, there, it, it, there's a lot uh, that people still don't realize that you can be racist within your own community, you know, there's a lot of colorism that people don't understand still happens within Hispanic communities and, you know, within the same countries and stuff. And uh, it's, 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 it's difficult, you know, and, and then when you want to try and, and speak to your parents, well, Maciel, you're, is your dad Cuban or your mom Cuban? My dad's Cuban. Right. So, and I'm sure you've probably heard him talk a lot about like politics, probably especially recently, you know, and unfortunately that's something that a lot of Hispanic people, they, they don't, they like want to be super passionate about it, but they actually don't do enough research to know exactly what it is that they're talking about. And they just kind of spout off things that they hear. And, and it's something that even I struggle with my family, you know, and I try and explain things to them and it's, it, it becomes difficult. But having those conversations is the only way that we can try and make some form of change. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um... Yeah, I've seen that a lot. I'm lucky with my parents that they, they do a little more research. So I, I'm more aligned with their political views than most Hispanic children are. Um, and then another thing that I've noticed is really stigmatized in Hispanic American households a lot of the time is um, the idea of mental health and seeking mental health and the fact that mental health issues actually exist. Um, and I've noticed that a lot with other families, but in my family, my mom is a psychologist, so it's very different. <laughs> but another another issue with that is that she had her psychology degree in Uruguay, but then when she came here, she had to like revalidate everything. She couldn't do it in Ohio because she couldn't speak English. Here, she was able to speak Spanish and do it. And but yeah, like mental health is a huge thing that I've noticed is just not non-existent usually in Hispanic American households. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it's again, similar to like that lack of educating themselves properly, you know, and, uh, and there's a lot of, you know, like machismo and stuff like that. So if you're, if you're a boy and you're Hispanic and you have any sort of feelings, it's just like suck it up, you know, and, and if you're a girl and you have any sort of feelings, like I stop being dramatic, you know, it, there's always, there's always something, they, they, there's always like kind of a, a response to something rather than just being like, oh, you know, like what's actually going on. Uh, Lara, you, like, can your family adopt me? Like you, it sounds like they're amazing, you know, like. Well, they have their own struggles, but <laughs> in general, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like with mental health, I'm sorry for the background noise. Um, For the mental health, like this is like a little bit more personal, but like a close family member of mine struggles with mental health. And we were like trying to tell them like, oh, like they need to seek, you know, treatment, they need help. But it's like, oh no, they're just saying it. Like they're just saying it, like they just want attention. But obviously it wasn't like that until to the point where it got like so serious that we finally got the help they needed. But it's like, 
it went on for like years and years and years and it was like it they're just thinking like oh it's just they just want attention they see it online it's like a trend supposedly for them and I think it's because they weren't exposed to it or they were told like oh you're just saying it when they were young so now their parents and they're like no it's just not a thing absolutely and you know what's crazy I I've been the one to kind of help my mom understand um that she deals with deals with anxiety help her understand like exactly what depression looks like because that's the other thing you know they they either think that it's nothing or you know that they're you're just like oh you're fine you're fine or they think that it's that you're crazy you know like if you actually if you hear that you actually have it it's like oh you're crazy you know but it's like it's so much more common and normal and you know how so many people deal with bouts of depression um and you know i i have i've had adhd since i was a kid uh, you know i have it now there's a lot that i'm learning still to this day and like how you know when a person has adhd it can lead to having anxiety and depression etc and you know my mom, she she never gave me any sort of medication growing up because she was scared that I was going to have a bad reaction to the medication. But it probably could have helped me quite a bit, you know. Um, but it's it's tough, and that definitely is another stigmatized uh, topic that hopefully we can start making a change on. But again, it is going to be very difficult. Yeah, I feel like a large part of the issue is also that there's no like there's very little access to resources like just like you'd really have to research to to figure out like to kind of like start destigmatizing it but if you're already set on an opinion like most hispanic parents are you're not going to go and research and try to like contradict what you already think like that's just not going to happen like it's just not and then if a parent if a child tries to tell their parent they're like oh no you're just you're like where did you get where did you get that from like what are you talking about yeah and then you have a lot of times the time what the moments where they're just like, yeah, no, but I'm right because I'm the parent. And you're just like, what are you though? Yep. Um, yeah, difficult. Yeah, for sure. All the time. Um, and then another one done that having to do with Miami is Miami has a very high population of Hispanic Americans. So how do you feel your Hispanic identity would have been different, if at all, if you had lived anywhere else? That that is an incredible question, and I honestly, I don't have an answer for you because I've never actually sat and thought about it. Because that is, yeah, wow, it, it's something that it it was so natural, and especially I think being Cuban, especially in Miami, which is basically just Cuba 2.0, it it it's like so natural, and so, it, it's so much a part of my everyday life. Like even people who aren't Cuban are like Cuban adjacent, you know what I mean? Like you, you here, especially. Um, it's interesting because I was living in LA for a while before the apocalypse happened. Um, and I, I got to see, I got to spend way more time with you, you know, like way more Mexican people or people from uh, El Salvador. And it truly is a different culture. And I think that's the other thing that happens outside of Hispanic um cultures people that are you know white or black or literally any other uh, ethnicity uh, or culture that they don't understand that even hispanic people every single country it like yeah we have similarities but we're all so different you know what i mean like people from Uruguay speak similar to argentinians but i'm sure you guys are completely different culturally speaking you know and and it just it it's like that right and uh Marcelo, you said your dad's Cuban and your mom is Nicar from Nicaragua. Yeah. Again, two completely different worlds, you know? And it's it's tough when they kind of just like lump us all in. You know, just like, oh, you're from Nicaragua? Where where in Mexico is that? You're just like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed a lot here too that like, it's almost like usually in other places, like if you're an immigrant from an, from a Hispanic country and you move to the US, you're assimilating into like American culture somewhat. But if you move to Miami, you're assimilating into Cuban culture, usually like it's not there you are assimilating into American culture, of course, but 
like in the smaller community, you like I learned a lot about Cuban culture and I, I would have never learned that if I had stayed in Ohio. And another thing about Ohio is that I if I had stayed in Ohio, I'm sure I probably would not like I'd still speak Spanish in my house, but I probably would not in like I'd probably be more confident in English than in Spanish, which is not the case now. Um, my mother probably would have learned a lot more English because she would have been more forced to learn English. Now, I don't know that that's also what made her a little like insecure in Ohio and why she didn't get her degree when she was there and why she's just now starting everything back up, getting her degree, like starting re pretty much restarting her career, which is something that I don't think she would have been able to do just because she was insecure about herself in Ohio. And I feel like a lot of people are the same. And that's why a lot of Hispanics end up moving to Miami. Um, so yeah, and then other people are a little more privileged. And when they lived in like their their own country, they were able to learn English like my dad. So he would have been fine anywhere. But yeah, it's interesting to see like how different, also how like different economic statuses can also affect how you'll live when, when you're in the United States. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, not even just in the United States. Actually, there's a lot of, there, there there's almost like a, a massive comparison between you know different countries especially i think in south america where you see how completely different lifestyles somebody who has money and then basically everybody else like how completely differently they they live their lives you know um but yeah that's that's a, i think that's another <laughs> that's another topic for a different uh podcast because that is an entire hour's worth of uh, talking. Oh yeah, and then another thing about that is how I've noticed with like like specific families is how my mom and her family they had like a lower income. They had like un almacén, like a little a little shop, and like they still have that shop. And like attached to that shop is the house where like her entire family lives, and she has like five siblings, um, aunts, uncles, and they all. Most of them live there, and then the other ones live within like a 10 minute radius. And if you move, it's like, oh my gosh, crazy. So my aunt who lives in an apartment five minutes away, it's like, oh my gosh, she branched out. So then when my mom wanted to leave, it was like, where, where are you, what are you trying to do? Like, cause first she went to Argentina and they were like, how are you gonna do this? With your, with your boyfriend, because she wasn't even married to my dad. They were like, how are you doing this? You're going to die. And then with my dad, he, he had a lot more money growing up. And his family, well, by the time he moved, it was, a little, it was a little issue. But his family was just like, okay, you do that. Good luck. Good job. Take your girlfriend. So, and so now when I see, like, here with my friends, a lot of them have parents that don't want them, like they want them to stay close for college and they don't want them to branch out. And it's similar to like how they probably lived when they lived like in their own, like where, like where they were born. And then there's other families that are like, no, you have, like, you have to like branch out. You have to do this. You have to do that. And like another, like relating to the career, like you have to like do this. And then other families that are like, no, you, you're staying with me. Like you're going to live here till you get married. It's tough because it's similar, like to uh, to what we were talking about earlier. You know, it's like the the insecure the insecurity of trying to kind of secure a a safe safe you know situation where if you stay if you stay here and you know like you stay with us like we could just it, everything will be okay. The problem with that is that then you you don't really have a chance to like evolve and grow and 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 maybe create something that's something like nobody would have ever realized, you know, become an, an incredible doctor, you know, like you, you can't do it. And it's tough because honestly, it, this is, this I think is somewhat of an American ideal where you kind of, you're supposed to branch off. You know, you're supposed to like branch off and go do your thing and, and find yourself, you know, uh, where it's difficult for Hispanic communities because as you said, we're just like, what are you doing? Where are you going? No, 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 stay here. You know, like everybody has to be doing the same thing all the time. Um, but yeah. And then another question I had, this one's similar to the Miami one, but so you, you don't know 
how your identity has would have been different if you had lived anywhere else. But how has your Hispanic identity changed over time in general, like from when you were younger to now? Uh, uh, this is honestly a little bit difficult to admit because I, I kind of regret that side of me, but <clears throat> I think everybody has that where we're kind of grown up thinking a certain way about others. Uh, but when I was younger, and I'm sure Maciel can probably um, relate to this, but Cubans think that we're the best Hispanics, like we're better than everyone. And it doesn't make any sense, you know, and and my family and for me, when I was growing up, I would I literally would be like, well, no, Cubans are, are better because of whatever X, Y reason. And, uh, you know, talk about like Mexicans. One time, like somebody compared me to a Mexican when I was really young and I got so angry. And then as I started growing up, I started realizing like how, first of all, how insanely dumb that is, but also how just incredibly ignorant it is as well, because. Although, like I said earlier, we do have so many different beautiful cultures within each country, we're also still one community, you know, and we're kind of all together and especially here in the United States. So it was so dumb that Cubans were creating uh, this this divide, you know, and and I would never really understood why people in the beginning when I was younger, they'd be like, oh, you're Cuban? Oh, okay. You know, I'd be like, well, what? But I understand. It's because we were buttholes, you know? But um, I've just become way more accepting of all different kinds of peoples and, and, and cultures and stuff. And I, I just think that comes from, you know, that, that institutionalized, uh, like, racism and, and colorism and... and just kind of the thing that everybody is kind of grown up with, right? You just, you decide whether or not you want to let that define you or you want to be a better person. Yeah, of course. I'm obviously, I'm half Cuban, half Nicaraguense, but I was born and raised in Miami where the whole entire population is Cuban. So there was a point in time where I would completely deny the fact that I was Nicaraguense. I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm Cuban. You know, I fit in, I'm Cuban. And then, but there was also a time where like, I was insecure of like my dark hair, my dark eyes. Cause you know, all the dolls had blonde hair, light eyes or everyone on TV was blonde hair, light eyes. They all looked like that. And I was like, why does no one look like me? Obviously I don't even look that Hispanic, but I was like, why does no one look like me? Why does no one else speak Spanish? And there was a point in time where I was super insecure about being Hispanic. Now I'm obviously more proud of it. I'm like, oh yes, I'm Hispanic. I am half Nicaraguense, I am half Cuban. And I accept my identity, but I struggled with that growing up a lot. Of course, that's great though. That's amazing that you've been able to do that. You know, you're very young. So for you to be able to, both of you, for, for you guys to be able to kind of truly accept that uh, aspect of you is, is really just gonna take you guys uh, to a different level mentally and emotionally. And that's that's great. And then also with um, like that about Hispanic identity, when I was younger, more so than now, and I know Masia kind of felt the same way, was that it was a little bit of like not shameful, but a little annoying because like our parents struggled with English. And so you'd have to translate legal documents. You'd have to go to the cashier and, you know, say like what your mom is trying to say, what your dad is trying to say, or like be like the translator in the middle or like with my mom, I'd always have to like translate her emails or like read them to her and explain them to her since I was little. And I hated it. Cause you know, she'd interrupt me doing like whatever I wanted to do. She'd be like, come here and tell me what this says. And a lot of the times it was like adult emails, like, I don't know what it's saying. So then I'd be like, I don't know. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And it would just be a whole, like a whole issue. So I found it annoying that I knew how to speak Spanish because I was like, okay, well now I just, I just, I have to help her all the time. And I, I just, I, it like enraged me. It gave me like, kind of like, it made me like resentful towards being Hispanic and like my mom not knowing English. And I was like, why didn't you learn English? And then we had once like an argument about how she taught me Spanish so I could be able to communicate with my family. And obviously over time that's become much more meaningful and like I feel bad for the way that I treated her when I was younger and how I tell her like no I don't want to I don't want to translate this for you or just talk to the cashier like just do it um so but yeah. it's so difficult because it, it's I mean for me I 
I've had social anxiety since I was like very young. And so I could, I, I would have to, I mean, still, I kind of sometimes find myself rehearsing, like, I'll have, I'll have the chicken. I'll have the chicken. I'm going to have to, hi, yes, thank you. I'll have the chicken, you know, like it's, and it's difficult. And then when you're little, as you said, you don't understand, like, even if you would want to try and translate something, you don't understand what it is that you're trying to translate, you know, and, and then we translate it poorly. We try and translate it directly. And they're just like, what do you say? And we're just like, this is what it says, you know? And, and it's hard because you guys are 16, right? And that happened even, even before. And that, and that's not a unique problem. That happens to most people who are first or second generation uh, Hispanics, where the little kid is trying to translate legal documents to their parents. That is rough. Yeah, also like when my mom was like doing her citizenship, I had to help her study. So I would be doing, you know, I was like, I was like 10 at the time, 11. I just wanted to play with like my little Barbie dolls. She'd be like, Maciel, ven acá. And then she would be like, mira, like help me study. And I'm like, um, can I just play? Like, can I just do little kid things? Like, why do I got to translate all these legal stuff? I had to help her with the citizenship. Well, thank God I did because then it helped me in seventh grade when I took civics. I already knew everything, but like, I didn't want to be doing that at the age of 10. Like I wanted to be playing, but I was translating everything. I was like, Google Translate. I did, my mom took her citizenship test when I was 10 years old as well. And I, I would, it, it was funny because we would kind of, I would, you know, I would make fun of her because I had just learned the things and she was, she was like, you know, I would be like, oh, like who, who, you know, was like the first president. Thomas Edison, I'd be like, oh my God. And I, we were like laugh because I was like, aha, you're dumb. But like, you don't realize how insanely foreign it is to them, right? And only when you're older that you're just like, wow, like everything, everything that not just my parents, but like so many parents have to go through to try and make life better for, for their families is insanely inspirational. Yeah, and it's sad that you don't, like you don't really realize this until you're older so looking back and seeing like wow I really I really told that to my mom I told her to learn English like you know and it also makes you like when you're translating all of this and you're having to learn new words in English sometimes because you have to like translate it into Spanish and you don't know what the word is it makes you mature a lot faster too because you have to learn what certain things mean like my mom getting her her title back for psychology like I had to translate emails that like had like psychological terms on them so it and and like legal terms and like economically like so it's just I feel like it makes a lot of Hispanic kids mature a lot faster and learn a lot more about things that they wouldn't have learned otherwise which is also really interesting um so yeah that's the most amazing thing though is uh and it's I've had like I've been very lucky that I've been able to do this now where I'll be, I'll give you an example. I, I was at a restaurant in LA at one, at one point and, and I sat down and, and the family sitting next to me, they were trying to figure out how to order, you know, and they're like trying to, and they were, tr- they were kind of struggling with the, with the server. And I looked over and I was like, Oh, do you guys need help? And it was, it would, that little simple thing of like, Oh yeah, you know, they would want this. They would want that. It helped the server so much because they're also struggling and then it helped the family so much and they they were so thankful and it felt so good you know and it's funny because it's exactly what we were like so angry about with our parents but even that translated to to real life and it it is an incredible feeling yeah it's it's just it's so it just feels it feels really good now when you're older but like when you're younger it's it's like I don't want to do this. And also, it's so funny that to hear to hear you say when you're older, when you're 16 years old, older than before. Well, yeah, I'll I'll learn. uh, Of course, I'm gonna learn even more. But like from the from when I was like eight, and I had to like read these things to my mom, and I'd be like, no, I don't want to. Or she'd try to practice English with me, and I'd be like, no, stop. You you like you you can't you 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 speak weird. I don't understand. Like, I was like a little bad word like I was just mean you know and looking back I'm like wow like like think a little bit you know so at least I 
I realize it now I'm double the age that I was then, but it's like, of course, I'm going to learn even more. And what are some of the best life lessons you've learned that you wouldn't have learned otherwise? That I, again, have no idea. You, these are just amazing questions. And I can't for the life of, I've never had to think about this ever. Jeez. Um, this is, I have no idea. I'm speechless. I am speechless. How about, what, what about for you guys? Yeah, when I was making when I was making the questions, I was like, okay, what are some questions that I can ask that aren't like overused? So I, great, I'm, I'm you're doing a great job. Out. But I don't know. I think I really stumped myself with my own question. This is incredible. Um, I think a lot, like like just maturing and like learning, like to be patient with others and to know like just to really be sensitive about others' experiences and to not just like jump at them, especially like seeing my mother, like I've seen a lot of people be like impatient with her because of her struggle with English and just like in other aspects of life as well, like just to be patient with other people, like to not just assume, oh, they, they don't know, like they're dumb, they, they're slow, they don't want to do that. Like they're just like, like just like being more open-minded and understanding about other people is probably something I probably would have learned it anyways, just because like, it's gonna be like, you're gonna have to learn it at some point. But I think I have a very, like, we have more personal experiences and just more, more knowledge of that than we would have otherwise, especially from like a young age, like we already know this, like we already know you have to, you have to like be considerate, like very considerate of other people and their experiences. And I don't think I would have learned that as quickly or as well as I have if it weren't for being a Hispanic American. Yeah, and I think that definitely. And I, I finally thought of the the answer. Um, I think just look, being able to appreciate things for what they are, you know. I, when I, when I first went to the Olympics, I, I had to do a lot of interviews, like a lot, a lot, a lot of interviews and stuff like that. And uh, it made, obviously it made me think a lot about it and, and it was similar things. And the one thing that I was, it was very constant was the fact that how much my family did um, for me and for us and the fact that I was there because of the, the things that they did. And if it wouldn't have been for that, you know, I wouldn't have gone to two Olympics, right? And so just being able to have that sense of appreciation, like understanding that, like, we can look back and be like, wow, that was amazing. And not just my family, but like for all Hispanic families that make the journey to come to this country. Yeah, I think I think in general for a lot of Hispanic Americans, it's just like a greater greater appreciation, greater understanding of like everything your family has done and everything that other families are doing as well, which like makes you more like appreciative, more compassionate towards other people. Because like I feel like I would have been very very cold if it weren't for like the way I've grown up. Um, what about you, Maciel? Yeah, the same thing, like being more considerate because like I see how my parents work and I see like the struggles or like the racism that like we face too and the discrimination and I'm like, okay, so I just want to like be like thankful for like my parents and everything and like for everything I have because I know many people are struggling to come even step foot into this country. So I feel like I'm just more, yeah, like more grateful, more considerate. If I see someone struggling, I'll be like, oh, okay, I understand you. Like I've been there before. So I just want to like, I feel like I'm a kinder person because of everything I've been through. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Heavily agree, heavily agree. Yeah. And then another question I had was, in general or in your personal life, what do you believe is the largest struggle that Hispanic Americans face in society today? Uh, I think what I mentioned earlier about kind of being constantly lumped in together, you know, and not understanding how very rich and and different are uh, every different country's culture is. You know, I, I feel like people not taking us seriously as well. You know, there's still a lot of stereotypes um, for 
Hispanic people, you know, we're kind of only viewed in, in very small, very few uh, specific boxes where it's, it's difficult to see a Hispanic person in something outside of those boxes, you know, and it's hard, especially as an actor, because uh, I think Hispanic people make up only like, I know I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it's something like four to six percent of representation and similar to Asian people. I think it's only like four to six percent. I think Hispanic people and Asian people make up the the least amount. Um, So it's because we have the lack of representation. We you know, we we, like you said, you know, we can't really see ourselves in any other way. Once we start seeing ourselves in other way, then that will, I believe, will make a, a massive change. I, I'll be honest, when when I, I'm a huge superhero and, and, and Marvel fan and stuff like that, and when the Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse movie came out, and it was like two minutes, four minutes into the movie, and I heard the mom speaking in Spanish, I started crying. I started crying because I was like, that it that's me. That's my mom, you know, and it, it's the first time that I had ever seen that. And especially in a superhero movie of all things, which is my favorite thing, you know? So being able to, to create those moments is one of the, the like main reasons also why I decided to become an actor. Yeah, no, that's great. Because I remember growing up watching TV and no one, obviously I mentioned before, no one looked like me. And I'm glad that you're like stepping up and you're being the representation. So younger kids can look up to you and be like, oh my God, that's me. Like I can be proud of who I am. He's proud of who he is. And I just want to like, thank you for that. Cause I didn't have that growing up. Yeah, that's really incredible. And I'm excited to see you in a lot more works as well. Cause I, I want to see more Hispanic representation. And yeah, that's that's a huge issue in society now is the Hispanic representation. And even more when you leave Miami and when you experience and in the media, of course. And along with that, I think like stereotypes as well, because I didn't realize this until very recently that a lot of the time it, it's also because like I'm like light I'm white, you know, like but I do very I do quite well in school and I'm I'm like people know that I do well in school. And I remember every single time that I answer a phone call from my mom or my dad, they're like, you can speak Spanish, you're Hispanic. Like what, how is the, I don't know. That's always a little. It's tough. And you know, what's, you know, what's crazy is that even, even the, the the minimal amount of representation that we have in, in like, you know, entertainment and media, the thing that really bothers me is that they, they don't go like the tiny little bit of an extra mile to find a more authentic version. Like, okay, that TV show, One Day at a Time, it was a great TV show. It was amazing, beautiful. But there wasn't a single Cuban person that was portraying a Cuban person. You know, and that's that's tough. You know, Rita Moreno is obviously an absolute icon. She's an absolute legend. But she's Puerto Rican, you know, and, and it almost that those moments are almost the moments that create the stereotype of like, well, I mean, all Cubans are like this or like, well, they, you know, they're all kind of the same thing, you know, or, or you see, you know, most people, uh, what, what's uh, I think it was Narcos, where the dude that played um, the main guy was like from Brazil, you know, and you're just like, what? what are you doing? Are you going to find somebody like for real, you know? Um, and that's hard because it kind of continues to, to create that, that like stereotype. And it continues to like lump us in that like, Oh, we're all the same. You're all the same type of thing, you know? And with Asians, it's the same, you know, they're, they're just like they'll hire a Japanese person to play somebody from Vietnam. You're just like, what are you doing? It's like not even close. Right. Yeah, and then another thing I remember that Matiel had told me this before is like the issue with racism, even if it's not, it's not as intense as other people experience, like with the black community. Of course, it's not like that. But I know Matiel has a story like with like someone literally trying to fix their light. Um, you can tell the story. <laughs> I was not present for this one because I was, I'm pretty sure I was in school at the time, but like 
we didn't have any power in my house because we didn't pay, but we we paid obviously and they came to fix it. And like the light person came to the house and then they saw my parents and they were like, oh, I, I'm not fixing your light. They were like, oh, hello, hello. And then they refused to fix the light. We had to go stay at the hotel that night because they just refused to. And then we ended up getting our light back. But that whole thing, like that was so unnecessary. They could have just Fix the light. It was our power back, but what? Why? Why did they just? Because we were Hispanics. It was a whole white dude. I'm pretty sure he was like a ginger. Like he he was so against us. Like he refused. He refused to fix our light. And I was like, can I just can I sleep with the air conditioner on tonight? Please? Was this in Miami? Yeah, like in Miami. Does he know where he lives? Like I I <laughs> don't know, but he just refused to help us. And I was like, okay, we had to stay at the hotel that night. What a weirdo. And, um, you know, I'm guessing because you're you're kind of white passing, too. I'm guessing you, neither of your parents are very brown either. No, my dad is just like tan, but that's like because he works in the sun. Right. My mom's like me. She looks like me. But my dad is like right. more tan. He looks more Hispanic than me. More like more like me. Yeah. yeah. I, I've been pale because I've been working inside a lot, but normally a little bit darker. Yeah, he, he's like he, he looks Cuban like he looks. Yeah, but he they just refused to. And like another time, I was on Omegle with my friend, even though I, I probably shouldn't be on Omegle, but I was on Omegle with my friend. And I was like, we were just talking. Obviously, I don't look Hispanic. Like, you don't see me. And we're like, oh, yeah, she's Hispanic. But I was talking. They're like, oh, you have an accent. Like, are you Hispanic? I was like, yeah. And then they started aggressively typing in the chat. They were like, go mow the lawn, go back to your country. And they were like telling us like, you should be mowing the lawn. Like, what are you doing? Go wash some dishes. And we were like, and I started recording the chat because I just found it absolutely hilarious. Like I wasn't even offended. I was just laughing the whole time. I was like, I can't believe someone's so close-minded to be telling me that stuff. They didn't even know me. It's crazy because that it happens way more online than in person because people feel safe. You know, and and in the gaming community as well, it's a really big deal. It's like a really big deal. You know, the gaming community. As much as I love playing video games, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm planning on starting to to stream myself pretty soon. But it's it's still it sucks to see how close-minded most people are. You know, and how they they use this really like evil like language and and just very mean uh for no reason for literally no reason it, it doesn't affect at all you know but that's that's insane yeah and the part that confuses me the most is that with the light thing that happened in miami like imagine i'm just thinking about in other states like what like how often does that happen that, that happened in in south florida like how is that even and then another thing that came to mind was how, like, usually, like, immigrants that are, or, like, first generation born in the U.S., usually you feel like you're not, you're not Hispanic enough. Like, in the, in, like, when you go, when you, like, talk to your family or when you're, like, just in general, you don't feel like you're Hispanic enough. And then you experience this, like, it's, and then, but, but then you feel like you're not American enough as well. So it's just, like, a huge, like, an identity crisis almost. Cause especially like, especially when you're like white passing and you're light skinned and it's like, well, like when I see my family, they're like, I like Ringita. But then when I'm here, it's like, oh, right. like you're, you're right. It's just, yeah, it's tough. It's tough because I, it's, you feel like you don't fit in anywhere, you know, because like, dude, yesterday or maybe even earlier today, my aunt was like, I know, and I was just like, bro. You know, like what, what, why? Well, why? Because I could speak English, dude. Come on. Uh, but and then, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a toughie. Yeah. And I know a lot, like everyone goes through that. If you're Hispanic, it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not American enough. I'm also, but even though, like, me and my sister were born here and it's still like, okay, I'm not, it's just not like, I'm not American. Like, I sometimes, even when I was younger, I'd be like, I'm not American, I'm Uruguayan. And then I go to Uruguay and it's like, oh, y'all are calling me American like what so it's it's just a whole crisis but then it's cool like with our school it's in Homestead um and a lot of the students there are also most of them are Hispanic so we all it's like interesting to be in such like in like 
a Hispanic community with kids our age. And it's not just like seeing them around, it's actually like being in classes with them, like experiencing things with them and seeing them talk in Spanish amongst themselves sometimes. And seeing that some of the teachers are Hispanic, it's just, it's interesting to see how like, that's kind of, even though I have multiple things to say about my school, that's one of the very, like very good parts of the school is how like, just the community, like the Hispanic community there is very, it's it's just nice to see, like that's where you feel like you fit in the most. Cause it's a ton of kids that are like, am I Hispanic enough? Am I American enough? Am I neither? What what am I? And it's just, it's like, we're, our, like all of our identity crisis together gives us our own little identity. <laughs> oh yeah, um, a thing about like Hispanic successes, like, when a Hispanic kid, they get into college and people are like, oh, it was affirmative action. You got him because you're Hispanic. Or people telling you, really highlight that you're Hispanic in your college apps, or really highlight that you're Hispanic in this application for a job, or, or the other way around when you accomplish something. And they're like, not only did you do that, but you're Hispanic too. It's just, it's two different sides of the spectrum, but both are just like a little uncomfortable. Right, which is why having conversations like this is very important, you know, and because the more we can normalize it, the more people will just fully accept everybody for who they are, you know, and they won't have to be like, oh, wow, it's just like, nice, you know, like, it's it's because it's it's it is a big deal, because there is a lot that happens, you know, culturally, and, and a lot that is incredibly different. But the only difference between an insanely talented person who is incredibly hardworking and is successful and an equally insanely talented person who is equally as hardworking and is not successful is opportunity, you know, and just giving that little bit of opportunity is the biggest difference that, that can, you could change a person's life completely and potentially millions of people's lives. But <clears throat> that's something that a lot of people don't really understand just normalize it. And then more people will have opportunity. And then the best will ultimately, you know, prevail, right? Yeah. And then, but a lot of the time when we are given that opportunity and there's like specific, I don't know, scholarships that are directed towards Hispanic Americans or things like that, or like, people are like, well, why, why do, why do you have that? Like, why is that just for Hispanic Americans? Like, I want to, I want to apply for the scholarship. I want to do this, but I can't because I'm not Hispanic. It's like, well, it's, it's, it's like an equalizer, you know, like you, we have our own struggles. So there's scholarships for like, specifically for your experiences. Like a lot of times you have to write an essay about your Hispanic experience. Like, why would you want, why would you want to apply to that if you're not Hispanic? And the same with like African-American scholarships as well. And then once you get into college, the, the issue that I had mentioned before, it's like, oh, it's because you said you were Hispanic or, oh, it's because you're black. Like, but the people, the, the thing that people don't understand and the other thing that makes me laugh is that <clears throat> some people complain about that. It's like, well, why would you, why would you have that? Why, you know, why can't I say, why can't I talk about like my, my white experience? Be like, because we, we know it, we all know. We've all heard it. We know exactly what it's about. Oh, we're fine. We got it. We get it. It's all good. You know, and it's, it's mind blowing. It really is mind blowing, but the, 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 it's, it's like having a pride month, right? And people don't understand. Some people still don't understand why pride month or just having pride is so important. Right. And people literally died for their sexuality. You've never had to come out to your parents as straight, right? It has never in the history of the world ever been a thing where it is terrifying to oh, mom, dad, I'm straight. You know, like that's never been a thing. And yeah, it's, a, it's the same reaction. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's like, it's, people need to be more like, 
again, like with the sensitivity and with like the understanding, people need to understand other cultures and other struggles that people go through, not just with Hispanics, but also with the LGBTQ community, with the African American community, with all these communities, they all have their own struggles. And a lot of people, while a lot of people do now understand and a lot of people are more open-minded now and social media is helping immensely with that, a lot of people still don't understand and they're like, well, why, why do you get like this advantage? Like, why are you, you getting this advantage over me? Like, that's not fair. I don't get this. I don't get to do that. You get all of this. You like, it's just, it's, it, it, it's they, they, they don't get it. Just it's all about equity. Yeah. Like we're limited that's to begin. Very, very good. So very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not equal equity, not equality, because equality is putting everyone on the same field, but not everyone has the same opportunity once they're on that field. So it's it's just you guys are so smart. <laughs> Thank you. So are you. <laughs> I could yeah, but I'm 29 years old. <laughs> when I was 16, I was like, I don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> And then I had another question that isn't really related to a Hispanic American experience, but you're Hispanic American, so it's still an experience. Um, but what has been your biggest challenge overall in your life and how did you overcome? Ooh. Um, what has been my biggest challenge? I mean, the Olympics were pretty hard. <laughs> um, um I don't know. I I think just dealing with or not understanding that I was dealing with a lot of uh mental health issues while I was training. You know, thinking that it was not what it was, you know, and, and then learning after I learned that I had anxiety and social anxiety and ADHD and all that stuff, you know my life really like turned around quite a bit. Um, and I started going to therapy and that was immensely helpful because, you know, and I've said this before, but it's not that the therapist fixes you, you know, they don't cure you. All they do is, is help you find the right tools to process everything that is happening in your mind better. You know, they, they make you, they make you stronger uh, as a reflective thinker. And they, uh, at the end of the day, you still have to do the hard work outside of therapy, but the therapist kind of helps guide you to how to start doing that on your own. But yeah, definitely dealing, uh, understanding that I had anxiety, like actually talking to people about it. But the more I did it, the more I realized how much of an impact and how much of a change that I was doing. Uh, so that struggle kind of became like something that was very, very beautiful. Yeah, that's mental health is extremely important. And that's another one of the things that I'm, I want to do now is to increase the resources, especially in public schools here in Miami-Dade, increase like access and resources to these mental health, like, I like, resources you know like because it's almost like you have to throw it at people like they're not just you're not you're not just gonna go and research it because then it's like oh no I'm I'm making it up it's all in my head which technically it is in your head but like it's all in my head like I'm just making it up like and then the parents go and they dismiss it too so you need to you this needs to be like front and center like you need to be able to see to have access to this because if not once you find all these resources you've already struggled you've already gone through a ton of stuff that you didn't necessarily have to go through and the thing that you mentioned with therapy is you reminded me of something that my mom says a lot is that she doesn't cure anyone like she doesn't fix anyone she like guides them to improve themselves like she's there as like a little like their vehicle to fix themselves well not like improve themselves because she also says like not fixing anyone there's no like you're not broken but like you you're just but she's also not like a healer and a curer you know and that's another thing that people need to realize with therapy because she's mentioned that a lot of people go to therapy and expect her to be like okay do this and this and you're all better like you're, you're gonna be fine and it's not it's not like that and that's another reason we need more resources, more increasing people's knowledge about mental health. 
especially at a young age, especially in schools, especially in middle school and high school and in college and giving these resources to the parents as well. Cause the kids aren't always gonna be like, mom, I'm like, I, these are my problems, you know? And yeah, that's, you made a really great point with that. Yeah, I, even honestly, even, even a regular doctor doesn't actually cure you. You know, they give you the things and then you kind of have to do it on your own. You know, you go, if you need surgery on something, they go in, they open you up, they fix the thing that's inside. And then you have to go through therapy, you know, like physical therapy. You have to then make it stronger again, learn how to move it again, whatever that is, you know? So at the end of the day, it's just, it's still, it's all about the amount of work that you put into whatever it is that you're doing in this case, mental health, which is, yeah, I think it's it's so necessary, especially like in schools, I feel like they should have like a course or a class with mental health and not the way they have it now where you have to watch these like five minute videos that are like, are you feeling sad? Like those are, no. So they're, the, the school, I know the school board is now trying to fix it because I'm, I've become a little more involved with that, but still it's, it's so, something needs to change. And from a young age, not once you're an adult and you can look it up and you can like you, you're like, no, you need it as a child. You need to start immediately because once you're an adult, you've already gone through a ton. Like it's already like like with you, like that, that was like you said, that's your biggest struggle. And it didn't have to be. And if you had had more resources and if your 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 mother had also had more of these resources, thrown at you guys it would have been I feel like it would have been it wouldn't have been as much of an issue as it was in your life and in a ton of kids lives heavily agree heavily agree what about you Maciel what do you think has been your biggest struggle I think my biggest struggle was just the identity thing like I struggled so much I was like nope nope I am not Hispanic. I am not Hispanic. I am white. Or I'll be like, oh, okay. Or I'll be like, okay. All my friends are Cuban. I am Cuban. I am not Nicaraguan. Say, what is Nicaragua? I don't know Nicaragua. I've never been to Nicaragua. I'm straight up Cuban. So it was just the identity thing or like my family, like the other day I was talking to my tío and then he was like, oh, you speak Spanish like really well. Like, do you take a Spanish course? And I was like, my mom only speaks Spanish. Like, so they think I'm like so whitewashed or like I'm American American where like I'm like one of those like yo no sabo kids but it's not it's not like that and like but then here like my friends need me like I have a friend who like speaks no Spanish at all so I translate everything like if we're ordering something and they speak only Spanish I'm the one ordering or I'm the one translating so for them I'm like this super Hispanic child like I'm not even American but then to my Hispanic family I am solely American so it's the biggest struggle for me was the identity crisis I was going through for years and still right now. Yeah, same with me. That's, it's just, it's always like, uh, I don't know, like, who, what am I? Who am I? Like, what is, what is, and the way that it evolves over time. So then you think like, oh, but I thought like this way, like two years ago, why, like I've changed now. Like, this isn't like who, like, it's just. It's confusing, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably been my biggest struggle as well. And then to wrap this all up, this has been a, a wonderful conversation that we've had. Um, you already, in the beginning of the podcast, you had mentioned a piece of advice that you were to give us. And I saw both of our faces go, because this was going to be our last question as well, was um, what is a piece of advice that you would give to a young, to young first and second generation Americans. To, to be uh, braver in the sense that you can talk to somebody about what you're going through. You know, actually verbalize whatever it is that you're feeling because believe it or not, the, if we have certain thoughts and if we keep them in our head, they become very cloudy. They become very uh, distorted and we don't, we don't necessarily see what's actually real because our mind kind of tends to alter it. Um, and once you start speaking about it, once you start actually talking out loud, a lot of times what we realize is that 
you start hearing yourself talking about the problem and then you come up with your own solution. And if you hadn't have done that in the begin in the first place, you would have never known the the like what actually to do about it because you just would have been continuously going through this vicious cycle of like no but no but no but. But once you start actually speaking out loud, you're just like, oh wait, I know, I know, I know what to do, right? Uh, and if you don't, then that's why you speak to other people because they will help you understand what to do. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Thank you so much for that. That is actually incredible because I usually end up keeping things in my head until I'm like, oh my gosh, this is an issue. And then I say it out loud to someone else and I'm like. It's crazy because <laughs> we always think that whatever we're experiencing isn't so unique and nobody else is going through it. But once you start talking about it, you're just like, oh my God, that happens to you too. And it's so validating and it feels so good. Yeah. Well, th this has been incredible speaking with you um i loved it um thank you so much we can if you oh do you want to tell us your social medias for the viewers to follow you yeah sure um it's my first name uh, daniel j leva all together on instagram and twitter um i have a youtube channel where i post the the podcast and it's just my first and last name daniel leva and uh yeah that's i think that's the only thing i have for now well thank you so much again for everything this was i, I loved it this was thank you guys it's been the highlight of my year thank you <laughs> thank you guys thank you guys so much good luck with everything Thank you all for coming and see you all for the next episode of Gen Z Plugged. I'm your co-host, Lara, and remember, stay connected.